everybody, and welcome back to the Chiluminati Podcast, episode 147. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Michael Martin, joined by the Chandler Bing and Joey Tribbiani of LA, Whoa, Jesse and Alex. Whoa. (laughs) Uh, All right, then I guess I'm Chandler. I guess you're Chandler. Oh, Monica, (laughs) I guess we're in love or whatever. Yeah, this is not a good one, huh? Between the two of us, aren't you the Chandler and aren't I the Joey? No, I mean, it's yeah, no, it's accurate. Yeah. I just feel like I've been boxed in <laughs> to being the Chandler my entire let life. Know, let us know in the comments if you think we're the Chandler or the Joey. That's this week's <laughs> chill comparison of the week. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun bit. I enjoy it quite a lot. It's also, one of my favorite things. Chandler and Joey, what makes them the L.A. version? Like, because the, the New York version. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. like what's the what makes them the L.A. version? That's a good question, because they're not very New Yorkish, I feel. Well, you know what? I'll tell you this. Joey does end up going to L.A. in Joey, the spinoff show. So maybe does does uh, what the fuck is that guy's name? What's Chandler's name? Matt LeBlanc. No, that's Joey. Chandler oh. Bing. Chandler Bing. What is his name? Matthew Perry. God damn. Perry. Perry. We got there. Perry. Are they both named Matt? I didn't even think about that. OK. They're all named Chris. All right, let's back to one. Matthew Perry. Does he ever show up on Joey? I would imagine. No, I don't think so. Matthew Perry was going through some stuff, dude. That's a no way on Joey. He's still going through some. I mean, he's not. He's not. He's better than he was. That's true. I saw him at a doctor game one time and he was bright red, but I think he's doing. He he seems at peace now. (laughs) Uh, Surprisingly, I have seen all of Friends. So what? at least, yeah, multiple times. Actually, I like, were there can I for ask you, you a follow up question to that? <laughs> yeah, what yeah, about yeah. Seinfeld? I have seen a couple of episodes of Seinfeld. Oh, my God. Oh my God. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> but I've seen all of The Office. Does that work? That's, that- that's fine. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not as mad as I am about friends. I'm actually kind of disappointed you saw all of The Office. Like if you would have said I saw like. 90% of the seasons, I would have been like, all right, my man. I, I checked <laughs> it out. No, I saw all of it. I, I like checked it out around the season six or seven. I was out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Once Michael Scott's out of the sh- picture, it's like, that's really where the series should have ended. To me, the finale sure. was the wedding. Let's be real. Yeah. Yeah. That was good, too. Let's be real. Uh, that was another you know what show. What else is real? Yeah. What? Alex, what? What? The money we make on Patreon. It's it true. Is. It is real. And, and uh, not and unless we spend it on crypto. That, that, well, that's true. Yeah, you know, okay. Oh, yo. Okay. Let's turn all of our Patreon earnings into NFTs. All oh, right. Perfect. Our cryptid NFTs. You know what I'm saying? We'll perfect. ruin the world. I know we'll some ruin really. Yeah. We'll I know some really good artists. Amanda Flag. You know, she made our pins. We'll steal some of her art. NFT uh, UFO. Yeah. Mel, oh, we'll, get, we'll get some of her art that she did not make for us and steal it and turn what it into instead, NFTs. What if instead I do all the art and I just make a like UFO and then we just color it differently and we like sell 10,000. Yeah, I like that on the blockchain. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like a good There's sound a business decision in every single one. <laughs> There's a different, it's a different ape. There's a little in ape in, in the window of the UFO <laughs> guys. That's a, that NFT. How about UFO? Am I right? Hey. <laughs> hey. That's the new shirt from uh, Chiluminati. It's, it just says <laughs> NFT more like UFO. And then oh. underneath it, it says Illuminati podcast. Before you go shilling Patreon, you know what? You That's a perfect segue for you to go shill our Mothman plush coming up. Guys, there's a Mothman plush coming up. Guys, we're going to Austin, Texas on May 26th. We're going to do a show there. That's going to be great uh, that 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 you should come to watch us. Look at us. Stare at us. I don't know what Jesse's doing down there. I'm wiggling. I'm wiggling <laughs> the, for you. I got yeah, the wiggles. He's, doing, he's, he's getting he's getting he's getting visually hype. I love Austin. Uh, I can't yeah. wait to go. I can't wait to be there. Uh, and uh, if you go to patreon.com slash pod, not only will you get uh, hundreds of minutes of extra Chiluminati <laughs> content right now, and I'm not even joking. It is truly hundreds of minutes. It's not a joke. Hundreds of thousands of seconds. Hundreds of thousands of seconds of extra Chiluminati. You also get access to a bunch of other great things. Like we have now chill tracks. This thing is amazing. It's like mystery science theater 3000. And by amazing, I mean, it's just these same three guys that you always (laughs) listen to, except this time we're talking over a movie. And if you have access to the movie, you can play us right over. And it's like, we're going to be there with you in your house, which is either nukes top five or uh, Alex's bottom three. 
Nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Patreon.com slash Chiluminati pod. Patreon.com slash Chiluminati pod. Patreon.com slash Chiluminati pod. Hold on. Hold on. Whoa, whoa. Slow down. The finest website. (laughs) Patreon.com slash Chiluminati pod. Right. Okay. The finest website. All right. For today's episode, everybody, (laughs) we are doing something we thought we did a lot earlier, but apparently it's like almost been a couple of months since we've done one of these. And it always feels weird when I revisit the idea. I love Uh, this. This is like I don't even if we if the show is just us reading shit, I would be all over it. No, we definitely did this recently, right? It was in February the last time we did one. That's recent for us. Recent for it's almost two months. It's yeah. been almost two months. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, we could go a few more. We're almost a week into April, Jesse. We could go a few more months before I have to read the Here's English the language yeah, again. Just, All I want to do is read. read. I love the things that people write us. Like the the depths to which people know us now. The weird bullshit they send us to read. I love it. It's 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 a delight every time. Yeah, and I, there was a ton of stories this time around. I couldn't get them all, and I don't even know if we're going to be making it through all of these. Uh, but with, for, without further ado, let's just jump into the first one, which is simply called The Little Ghost Girl or The Little Girl Ooh, by Nikki Gooner X49. Oh, shit. Maybe her X-Men name? That's a hell that's of like a name. Yeah. Wow. That's like a LimeWire username. <laughs> that's, that's, that's hardcore. <laughs> I have a, st- a ghost story from a fair few years ago. I'm from a family who have several members who claim to see all sorts of weird and quirky things. And previous to this, I'd listen to the stories, smile and nod and, and think, give up daytime drinking, Janice. Oh my <laughs> God. That feels like a very Jesse line. Yeah, give like up daytime Jesse drinking, Janice. Yeah. <laughs> Prior to this incident, I'd had uh, I'd not had any weird sightings. And even after this, I would call myself an open minded skeptic. Anyway. When my son was at primary school, we live in the UK, so he was seven years old. I don't know what the equivalent would be in the US. Is seven like first grade? Yeah, maybe, we, well, second? we just call it school. Yeah, uh, school. And uh, <laughs> it sucks and uh, it's probably underfunded, uh, but we do leave our kids there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We entrust them to the to the state's hands and it's uh, it's, it's, it's done us well so far. Yeah. Um, he had a school disco in the evening. That sounds super what? fun. I never had a school disco. I had school dances where I stood over by the bleachers and watched my crush dance with her boyfriend like a creep. That came out way <laughs> creepier. Actually. That came out That's way creepier. <laughs> Question. That's did you ask Satan about this? this? Were you like, dude, no, did not one. ask Satan about this. Question. No, how many franchises of KFC did you own? <laughs> <laughs> wow. The more yeah, I learn about you, Mathis, the darker your story becomes. And I'm worried, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're, oh, man. You want to hear a really, you want to tangent no, to a really yes, embarrassing no, story? Don't, don't stop him, Jesse. Let him talk. <laughs> I was young. I was in the eighth grade and I had this mega crush on this girl. And she danced with me at the dance. And I was like really excited and I wanted to like thank no. her. So I'm 12 or like 13, mind you. So I gave her a dollar. <laughs> That's as like a thank you for dancing kind of, with that's me. That's kind of whimsical and romantic in a like. But I didn't tell her why I gave romantic. her the dollar. I just gave that her is the dollar. None of the things you just in the said. same in the way that like one of those guys in Rome who like accosts you regardless of how well he knows you because you're a beautiful woman. It, it's romantic in that way. <laughs> that's I don't think that's romantic. I think that's assault. Uh, I, I don't know. Okay, hold on. Hold on. I would agree it's not romantic. I would not agree that it was assault. Oh, it, no, 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 no. You're just paying her like a comedy hula. It's, it's, it's like, hand, it's, you're like a little sheepish clown handing her like a little rose. <laughs> you know, you have two, your, 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 feet, even your feet, your feet are together. That- I would keep I would take that story to the grave. I wouldn't share your that feet, with anyone. It's, YouTube. it's been out in the public eye for a long time. Your I have no shame. Together, your other hand behind your back and a little a bow as you extend the hand. Straight forward. Did you say no, I think I when told you did her it? I found like, the dollar and I wanted to give it to her and like dude, that was like that is Boy, <laughs> I don't. It bother, I don't know. It was like twenty five years ago. You know, like, I, the story's the story. So the story's a lot less crazy. Considering you have like a life and like are dating a person and like have like animals that you take care of and you aren't like a psycho killer, right? Like it's a yeah, lot. I can take the story easier, but I'm letting you know if you were like, 
I've been living on my own for seven years. <laughs> I would be like, oh, all right, well, we're all checking out now. I feel like I need to defend myself. I wasn't a psychopath. I was just autistic. That's really all it was. I just, it's the opposite end sure, of it. That's understood. All. Understood. I'm just saying. <laughs> just, I'm trying to put, I'm trying to save you. I, I regret tangent. <laughs> it was Shakespearean. Right. I, Very Shakespearean. It was Shakespearean like when everyone dies in Hamlet. How, he's, in, he's in eighth grade. You know yeah, what I mean? I'm, this I'm like is 12, 13. Yeah, this I'm is, a uh, kid. This is, this yeah, is what it was. To quote the in bard, high school, I just watched. What a double yeah. thrice ass you were. Yeah. <laughs> My aunt used to not get on the roller coasters and she would just watch them go by and that was enough for her. That is totally different. One of those is fear slash stomach based. And the <laughs> other is a girl dance with you and you were like, have a dollar. <laughs> Shit's crazy. I mean, I bet you if you had, I bet you if you had a box of chocolates, you would have gave her that instead. Yeah, I didn't have any money. Yeah, I had a dollar just, yeah, for like, snacks. That's <laughs> that was for my mom. That's the reason me such a. I swear, I thought you were going to be like percent of his this weekly girl income, that bro. I was really into. She danced with me, and then I got like a little boner, and I was. I thought no. it was going to be like one of those stories instead. You <laughs> that would like, be a weird. That would be a way I, weirder story to tell on the no, pod. No, that would have been every eighth grade person at a dance. Trust me on that, bro. <laughs> Trust me, when they those day those kids are like, I don't know what to do right now. What do I do? Yeah, that's a comedy bit in like a HBO show. Whatever happened to Mathis? That is like a cry for help. Anyway, the seven-year-old in primary school had a disco in the evening. Yeah, so she went to a uh, uh, he had a disco in the evening. It was around October time, so it was dark from around five p.m. And the disco was at six p.m., so the school was dark. The village we lived at, the, the primary school was very old and had been there since the late 1800s and was the center of our village. So I dropped my son off at the disco, uh, took him to the hall and was walking back through the dark school to get back to my car. As I walked back uh, past a classroom with a completely closed, wait, with, with a completely closed at one end patio. Oh, I just need to read the rest of the sentence uh, to the side. I saw a little girl around my son's age just standing on the patio. I haven't mentioned before, but the school disco was for Halloween, so the kids were in fancy dress. So the fact this little girl had a long, old-fashioned dress on and looked old-worldy at that point didn't strike me as odd. I stopped, smiled, and asked if she was okay. She shook her head in response but didn't speak. Getting concerned, she was wandering around the, uh, the school in the dark on her own. I then asked her, where's your mom, lovely? <clears throat> she simply raised her hand and pointed behind me. I turned around expecting to see a harassed mom searching for her child, but all that was behind me was the wire fence in the churchyard with church and gravestones. Oh my God. Yeah, that's like out of a horror movie. Yeah, straight up like movie shit. Yeah. I spun back, must have only looked behind me for 10, 20 seconds, and the girl was gone, completely disappeared. I looked 360 degrees and she was nowhere, and the school was on a large enough building plot that I'd seen her even if she ran. But there was nothing. As I said, the patio was closed off behind her by a solid wall. I virtually ran all the way back to my car and took my sister with me when we picked up my son at 730. Years have passed and I still don't know what to make of it. I wasn't scared at first, but after I was a little creeped out. The girl was as, uh, as solid as you or I, and I would be able to pick her out of a lineup. Her image is so imprinted. A little aside, in the early 1800s, before the school was built, the land had several houses where the poorer, larger families lived. And at one stage, sadly, an outbreak of disease swept through the village and a lot of families lost loved ones. Those people are the ones buried in the churchyard she pointed to behind the school. As I said, it was a strange occurrence and one I don't mention often, but one I can't quite explain. Well, you're welcome to share this. And that's it. That's just our little opening mm. test teaser of a story. Solid, believable, like, you know, no sort of like weirdly cinematic like coincidences required for this one. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say, I, I, I used to go to uh, like rehearsals at night at my school. Cause I was in the theater department. And uh, so I would often have to like walk across the campus at like 10 PM, you know, when, long after everybody was gone, like maybe to go pick something up from the shop or whatever. And it is not a friendly place. <clears throat> no, a school campus at night, like uh, a college campus. Maybe you're all right. But like 
because you can kind of ways at night are just hit different when they're empty and it's dark and it's creepy and everything echoes yeah. and it's just and most, ugh, it's most so college off-putting. campuses kind of like you can walk through them you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. not like a fenced <clears throat> off little jail that looks like a like a neighborhood like it's weird in there man so yeah. I, I could totally i could totally see this being a thing very very scary all right, Alex, you're going to take the next one. Good, sir. Yeah, easy peasy. This one's called the Patupaya Rehe, and it's by Farlap. Uh, Kia Ora Kuto. Greetings. After listening to the latest podcast, I felt obliged to mention another cryptid or rather famously supernatural being known in New Zealand as the Patupaya Rehe. Patupaya Rehe are generally known as the Fey or fairy folk here in New Zealand. They go by many names, mainly due to the tribal variation, regional Maori language dialects or differing myths relating to them. Patupaya Rehe are characterized as generally having physical features such as hair, skin completion, and eye, maybe skin complexion, and yeah, eye pigment maybe. unlike the indigenous Maori, light or fair colored skin, red, blonde, or light colored hair, green, blue, or light colored eyes. Patupaya Rehe are generally of average human height, though some stories have them likened to tall giants or even at small pixie-like heights. Again, tribal variation, etc. So, mm. wow. So, really a lot of variation there. Uh, yeah, that's a huge variation. Yeah. Imagine coming across a, like, seven-foot-tall pixie. But maybe they maybe they come in all shapes and sizes, like uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Uh, Patupaya Rehe have both genders and seem to have longer-than-average lifespans. Sometimes they can be immortal. It is said that the Patupaya Rehe feared the sun light and fire and so ate their food uncooked that's kind of very vampire like almost yeah kind of like golemy maybe some yeah. stories say that the patupaya rehe were in new zealand long before maori arrival living in another plane of existence or spiritual realm and mainly keep to the forests and mountain areas patupaya rehe were often only seen or heard on misty nights and tend to stay away from humans hiding just out of sight behind the trees or just beyond flowing waterfalls, curiously peering out. Okay. Interesting. So kind of like vampire ghoulish Bigfoot vibes. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. It's very unique. That's what I liked about a lot of the New Zealand cryptids, especially the, uh, oh crap. I forget the name of it. The one that we all thought was the favorite Tani, the Taniwa, which is not pronounced Taniwa, but I'm bad at it. Yeah. They're all like, Really interesting mashups of a few different things. Yeah. And I like that this one very seems very like like ancient, like just very like, yeah, like, you know, there's a bit of a tradition to it, but it's also like maybe an accurate description of something that's out there. I like that. Yeah. Uh, despite their chosen separation, many tales speak of the interactions between Maori and Patupayarehe. Traditional Maori tattooing was said to be taught by a Patupayarehe elder to his human son-in-law, as well as the art of weaving fishing nets and the teach and, and the teaching of forbidden tapu magic. It is safe to say that Patupayarehe were generally seen as beings or creatures to be fearful of, or that they were tapu. Uh, this is where the English word taboo comes from. Oh, that's interesting. So it's kind of like like uh, you know just dark, right? Like occult yeah. stuff. I like that. It's kind of like the idea of, uh, you know, I don't know, sort of a New Zealand version of like, uh, you know, like how it is with uh, the like the elves in The Witcher or something like that, where there's like an elder species that has like communion with humans and stuff and are adjusting to the fact that there are humans kind of deal. I don't know. Kind of interesting. Patupai Rehe are, are said to be able to speak to Maori. However, they did have their own language. They would speak Maori to lure humans away, children and adults with their voices, songs and flute playing, sometimes appearing to beckon people over, leading them into the mists, never to be seen again. However, some would return, often women nursing a child they had with a patupairehe, and this child would grow with some features of their feather, such mm-hmm. as colored eyes, colored hair, or fairer skin. These children were known as urukehu. See, that's super like fairy like that. That part's like super fairy, like disappearing into the mists and having like this, this kind of like changeling like child. Very bizarre. Yeah, but that's also like this is these these all these details are present in other like cultures around the world. Like, you know, they're like almost tropish. It's really kind of interesting. Those types of things like I don't know. I mean, this is this is like, you know, as an American, like very similar to like the things that we have in the Appalachian trail like the types of stuff that go viral on tiktok all the time yeah stuff like that or, or even just like a skinwalker but also like i love that there's like a culture to them and that they have like society and community of their own uh 
As a person of Maori descent, it was not uncommon to have the fear of Patupaiorehe drummed into me from a young age. I remember our childhood home had a large tree out the front next to the driveway uh, that my grandparents would warn me not to climb. This was because Patupaiorehe would rest there and would take me away if I disturbed them. Besides, this warning probably being a way to make sure I didn't hurt myself, my elders strongly believed in this and would prove it by showing me where the Patupaiorehe pooped. Oddly enough, at random Whoa. times of the year, I can't wait to hear what this is about. Oddly enough, at random times of the year, a white, bulbously round donut poop would appear in and around the base of the tree. This would look as if to dry out, go chalky, and be gone the next day. This poop was proof that the Patupaiorehe were around and resting in that tree. I was forbidden to disturb it in any way, and traditional karaika, which are like incantations or prayers, karakia, sorry, uh, incantations or prayers were performed to remove the poop. The Patupaiorehe that rested there never attempted to take me or my cousins, so they were left alone and the tree was theirs to rest when they visited. The poops, however, did stop when the tree was cut down, and I never saw the poops again. That is so fucking weird. That is, so- that is Man, interesting. That's weird. Was it like maybe it was a fruit or something that fell from the tree? It could be. I don't I mean, that's I don't I know. Thought, yeah. It's interesting that it got chalky and disappeared, though. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also had an Irish granduncle who was a staunch believer in the fae and fairies and often said he had little Maori fairies in his garden. My aunt lived with Grandpa Khan with her husband, his son, and my younger cousin. My aunt told my grandparents about the Maori fairies, and though they initially didn't believe Grandpa Khan's stories, they did once my cousin started playing with these Maori fairies. I remember my cousin telling my aunt, who's his mother, that the little girl with red hair wanted him to go with her, but he didn't want to. This coinciding with my aunt hearing my cousin yell, leave me alone and go away earlier in the day while she was in the kitchen overlooking the empty garden. Mm. My aunt told my grandparents and not long after my grandfather with his entourage of elders herded out of their vehicles and into the garden. I don't not to cut you off, but like what could be creepier is like what if it was just like somebody trying to kidnap the kid? You know, like that that was my thought. It's like somebody on the other side of the fence, maybe or or just like, yeah, trying to like lure him. Yeah, I mean, come over. Yeah. But I mean, that square is super hard with like also like the traditional more like Irish type of fairy. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, Anyway, where I lost my spot now. Uh, Oh, yeah. Sorry. My aunt told my grandparents and not long after my grandfather with his entourage of elders turned out of their vehicles and into the garden. Now, Grandpa Khan, my Irish granduncle, was out and didn't know about the coven of Maori elders banishing the fairies out of his garden until later that night when he went to feed them. Grandpa Khan would leave a saucer of cream every night for the fairies. I believe it's an Irish custom. And yet somehow he knew something was off. Upon my aunt telling him what had happened earlier in the day, Grandpa Khan fell into a rage and kicked my aunt and cousin out like they did to my fairies. He yelled at them while they were shoved out of the house. So I was told my uncle managed to settle his father, but they eventually moved out after the incident and Grandpa Khan would pass not long after. Damn. Huh. Hmm. Many people still believe in Patupaiorehe today. Some stories speak of that, uh, seeing them playing on misty days in the forest or protecting their sacred areas, making them still tapu even now. The many stories of Hunua Falls are worth reading about if you get the time. We have a tribe here called Ngai Tuhoe who have many Patupaiorehe stories. This tribe are also known as Children of the Mist as their tribal lands are in the heart of the Uruwera forests, a very misty forest. Pardon my uh, pronunciation on this if I'm butchering it. And somewhat strangely, contrary to Maori customs, there is a children's show starring Patupaiorehe <coughs> teaching kids about the Maori language. Huh. Dude. Okay. Rationalizing the existence of creation, uh, rationalizing the existence or creation of Patupaiorehe is an interesting subject in itself. The strongest theory that I've come across is that Patupaiorehe may have been a way for early Maori to understand albinism, the lighter skin, pale hair, eye color, and light sensitivity being common traits of albinism. Uh, however, this doesn't explain the poop. I thought I have my suspicions that it may have been some weird puffball fungi we didn't know about. Who's to say? Anyway, thank you for taking the time to read this, though I like to think I am a rational thinker, a man of science. In fact, I am culturally bound to these beliefs, and I would, without a doubt, be the first person to chicken out if someone was to dare me to mess with the Patupaiorehe. There's just some things you don't mess with. P.S. And this is a uh, this is a tip for this, uh, the word that you were saying the other day, Taniwa, right? Yep. But how do you pronounce it? That's the real question. The The pronunciation guide that they included is links to a broken link for me. 
but I want to, oh. I want to give it a shot. Oh, here it is. I got it. Oh yeah. Tanifa. Say it one more time. Tanifa. Well, there's like you- an F. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, yeah. I'll, uh, send you the link so you can teach yourself one day. I have many family stories of it. My, my grandfather's sister lived on a lake that had one that would often save the children that swam out too far. My tribe has a founding story that were, t- that there were two fire Fanhiwa. Is that how you say it? Yeah, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty close. Uh, two fire Fanhiwa erupted our sacred volcano to warm up our chief who was cold stuff like that. I can share at a later time. Pretty interesting stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I thought just like another New Zealand cryptid right after we do it. It was like a really yeah, it's a it's a neat one. I like it a lot. Mm. I love the idea of like having a founding story that's unique to your own tribe. That's like, yeah, kind of neat to me. I like that a lot, too. For this next one, Jesse, they've specifically requested you to read this one. Me? (laughs) Yes, sir. I love this. Uh, Oh, shit. I didn't (laughs) give you the name of this one. Oh, well. My bad. Probably for the the best. Uh, The dream is called the naked dream for Jesse. So. Probably the best. I don't know who this is. <laughs> the, the, the Reddit name is Jen and tonic. Great. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> I had this dream about a year ago, but remember it like it was last night. I was extreme. It, it was extremely vivid. And one of the most detailed dreams I've ever had. Pretext. Pretext needed, huh? I am a <laughs> voluptuous woman. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm a voluptuous woman with a standing joke in life that I would have cleavage in a turtleneck. Not like this. <laughs> Not like this. I'm just watching this watch. I'm just watching this wash over Jesse as, he, yeah, as he's too. reading it. I was ready. <laughs> this is excited. I feel you know that that give of Michael Jackson where he's eating the popcorn from Thriller. That's how I feel right now. <laughs> I oh boy all right where was I sorry in the dream <laughs> I am fully nude mm, I'm fully nude sitting I guess it is called naked dream I'm fully nude sitting at a corner table in the mall of my childhood people watching I'm wearing an egregious amount of jewels and my hair and makeup are done to perfection it's like Lady no, Godiva yeah no <laughs> one seems to care or notice my newness and i don't seem to be embarrassed at all or try to be covering up mostly i'm just contently drinking a diet coke and people watching an older woman approaches me and states i needed to cover up uh as very upset an older woman approaches me and states i needed to cover up and as very upset this brings attention from other shoppers uh, and is i guess is very upset whatever yeah, i think I look at her dead in the eye and say, I'm wearing a full face and a lash. What the F more do you want? And I woke up. Let me know what you think. And yes, this is absolutely fine to read in the pod as it makes me laugh every time I think about it. Can I <laughs> blow your mind? Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to totally ignore. I'm totally going to ignore the nudity part. Actually, I'm not because nudity <laughs> is a sign of vulnerability. I but. love the literary like tee up that this dream is. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the jewels, right? Jewels are uh, a representation in dreams of what's valuable and important to you. And the fact that you were layered with jewels upon your naked body, sitting in a mall, which if you have dreams about malls, this is totally this is the one I know the most dreams about malls because I've had many dreams about malls. It represents you wanting to acquire something or obtain something of value that you need in your life. So you have a dream with, with you're like in a mall. It means that there's something in that dream that you want. Right. It's like the Amazon.com so, of your subconscious. Yes. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. You're in the mall. People watching covered in jewels naked. To me, this says that you are very content. You're in a place where you want a bunch of stuff, but you're covered in the things that are valuable and important to you. And you're exposing yourself. You're vulnerable to the rest of the world. So you are like in a content chill place. And this lady comes up to you and is like, how dare you? And you're like, lady, get with the program. I'm doing all right. And I'm letting you know, I think that's what, I think that's what it means. I think it's, it's, that's why you enjoy it. And it's not like a terrible dream because you it it shows you just how happy you are with where you're at right now. It's almost like your brain empowering yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Look at that. 
Look at that positivity. That was, that was a great interpretation of a dream that I, I was excited for Russie, uh, Russie, Jesse to read. Russie was very with. excited to read. It. <laughs> 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 it's like the end of a Mega Man episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This next one is called The Russian UFO by Small Moist X. Oh. Small Moist. Love that rapper. Name, you know, I don't know. I yeah, don't know. It's my favorite rapper on SoundCloud. <laughs> hey, all. Longtime listener, short time writer. Before I start, I wanted to thank Mathis for being a bit of an inspiration with someone with ADHD and hope you guys enjoy this. Hell yeah, man. Neurodivergent people unite. Don't let that shit stop you. Do whatever you want. Uh, you can use this po- for the podcast. No worries. I grew up in a small town in Russia called Zelenograd. It's a relatively new town created in the 1960s. Originally, it was a small closed town since it was reserved for institutes and research labs, and the only people living there were the staff. My family moved there right before I was born, around the year 2000, after the town was open to general public. Even though the town became more open, it is still a hub of scientific research to this day. My friends and I used to sneak into old abandoned underground research facilities. That this sounds is like Stranger Things. Like, what are you? That what just are we sounds talking like a kid's about? Dream come true. I would have loved to have something like that in my like town. I could have gone and explored. Abandoned that Russian so, science facilities in your hometown. That would like no, isn't that? That sounds so wild. That would have been fun to grow up. No, no, Jesse, you're saying you'd, no, you would have enjoyed that as a kid. Look, uh, look, as an adult, that's dangerous. As a kid, I definitely would have gone. I'm no fool. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, I'm like, Mm-mm, no, thank you. That's how I get like rabies. No, I'm good. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's your primary concern. Yeah. Rabies. I mean, like, right. <laughs> what else would you get there? I don't know if somebody living there murdering you. Nah, that's there's, the radiation <laughs> would have killed them long ago. The upside down. If he gets sucked into the upside a down, the Demogorgon? Okay, fine. A gorilla <laughs> with a human brain? Come on. <laughs> Who just wants to love? And he wears like a big diaper that he poops in? Yeah, Come he on. hugs you to death. He's like, yeah. I just want to love you. Yeah. yeah. I want. What is this in reference to? Is this a joke you're just making up? Just, or is it referencing something? Just a something? general uh, pulp uh, you, I mean, like, okay. look. I thought of Gorilla Grom. Little That's Grom, why I was yeah, just... Little, Little right, Hellboy, right. you know, like, we're just in that know, zone. Yeah, we're in that realm. You just have right. to be in media, Matthew. You just don't get I'm it. In the mix. So you haven't hard. seen enough TV. It's called cultural context, okay? I've seen a lot of 90 Day Fiance. That helped a lot. That's true. It sure helped you do something. I don't That's know. A, I'm not sure what it helped you do. Get through <laughs> the day, I guess. It literally helped me get through was the that day. Anyway, we're going to move on here. Yeah. <laughs> Ever since I was a kid, I've struggled with insomnia, so I spent a lot of time sort of staring at the ceiling and doing nothing. One night, I think I was around nine at the time, I was trying to fall asleep and suddenly noticed some strange lights. At first, I thought I was dreaming, but then realized I was awake. At first, I saw a bright red light filling my entire room, ceiling the wall across from the window being completely covered by it. After about 30 seconds, it changed to either yellow or green. And before anyone says it, my window looked towards the inside area of the apartment block and there was no way any traffic lights were there. That's when I got curious and got out of bed to look out my window. In front of my window, there was a playground and a bit further, an apartment building about the same height as the one I was in. About 20 meters above it, I saw three lights in a horizontal line just sort of floating there, completely static. I kept looking at it for about five more minutes, when, with no warning, it suddenly shot up directly into the sky at an acceleration that now as an older person I realize is impossible. Whoa. There, was, there were no jet traces or any sound. I didn't think of it much as a kid, thinking it was a weird helicopter or something, and finally managed to go back to sleep. That exact event occurred for maybe four or five of the next days, and it was exactly as described before. I didn't think of trying to do something different, but to be fair, even now I have no idea what I could do to maybe change the outcome. Afterwards, I never saw those lights again and only remembered them a few years ago. This is far from the only strange occurrence I experienced living there before moving to Europe when I turned 14. But I, uh, but I think I'll save those for next time. Thank you all for reading. I hope you enjoyed this strange Russian UFO story. Uh, uh, and it, yeah, that's it. Cool. Anyway, um, I don't know. I like the fact that it's like it's kind of your typical UFO experience, right? Like it's a, mm-hmm. it sits there and it hovers. 
and it doesn't do anything. It just kind of zips off on its own. Like 90% of the people who see UFOs, it's usually something along the lines of it's hovering or it's doing this like little dance in the sky and just doing its own thing before it zips off. Uh, sometimes it like floats really slowly and then goes over the, like the horizon. Um, it's, it's, it, it's interesting because, you know, you're seeing these at a time where I imagine drones weren't really around, right? Like there's not like a huge amount of drones in the year 2000. Right. Were drones a thing in the year 2000 actually at mm, all? I mean, they had to have been like. Or consumer uh, drones? You in think so? Like, so yeah, the fucking laboratory city or whatever. Maybe. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? But yeah, I don't know. It, I like this story because of the the idea that it happened five days in a row. By day three, I would be losing my mind. Like I would be like the first day I would be like, that was crazy, but it was probably not what I think it was. The second day it happened, I'm like, oh, my God, maybe this is what I think it is, but it's probably not going to happen again. So whatever. And then the third day I would be like, I need to call the FBI. I would be like, I would be like fucking freaking out. Yeah, I, I would, too. I'm I'm. I just that's every night I go outside to take my new puppies outside. And every night I look into the sky, hoping I just see that. That's all I want to see. I would be so content if that's you an think the aliens are looking I out the window had. like, that's a good boy. Yeah, but he's saying it to me, not to, right, not right, to right, my right. dogs. I mean, that's what yeah, I meant, yeah. obviously. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. Well, all right. I couldn't. I'm, I'm, I'm bad at that. You're like a little uh, cute. You're like a little cutie for the aliens. Yeah. I am. I a little think cutie I would with other little cuties. Good. It's like when you see like a like a wolf cub and like a mountain cat hanging out together, and it's like, yeah. oh, that's how they see you and your dogs. Yeah, yeah, like two would cute you, okay. mammals hanging out. Mm-hmm. If freaking Glipglorp came down from the yeah. space and scooped you up, and you got put into what is essentially a pet habitat. Yeah, but it's like you know got grass a nice house you get fed every day you don't have any neighbors yeah it's just kind of you and maybe somebody else who's living there but your life is amazing you just get looked at every so often and examined sure would you want that i would say yes that sounds nice (laughs) you would do that i would i would do that yeah uh, you know good glorp um razzmatazz i don't care who freaking abducts me but if like if they gave you a perfect let's just say they gave you a perfectly like content life would you take that I, deal? Here's like you th- had to be their pet. You I really, pet. I really like Earth, though. Here's the thing: I probably, I'm a simple guy. You know, abduct me. You get Earth entertainment and all that stuff. That's true. I mean, I know, but I like, I, I have a lot of relationships. Like, abduct me, do whatever you want. I would love, I would appreciate that. I give you a dollar nervously, and then you can drop me back off at home. God, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but like, real talk. Like, I would want to go home. I would I would be happy to be up there. I would be like, wow, this is insane. But I would be like very, very horrified. I mean, I've been in a foreign country for like just a couple days and it's like pretty hard to understand how far away my house is. You know what I mean? Like it's pretty uh, like a wild thought sometimes to think how far away from home you are. You know, I don't know. Mm. I think being in space, it would be like being it would feel suffocating the way it would feel to know I was at the bottom of the ocean. It would be scary. Ooh, interesting comparison. I yeah. like that. What about you, Jesse? Would you? I feel like you're also in the same boat. You would say no. Yeah. No, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you? <laughs> okay, but you're on so- the spaceship. It's real. What, and you're and you're given the chance to live in the zoo or go home. Ah, uh, man. It's it, like we're. It's already real. If it's already yeah, real. And the Already aliens are like you get to live in the zoo. Yeah, it's then you get I Netflix, would Netflix, Disney like, Plus. Whoa, question. Day and day, is, moon is night. there a breeding program in the zoo? Oh, <laughs> you know if it's Grace, definitely. Yeah, I'm Steven in. Universe I'm 100% action. In. To yeah, me, they, they, they want to maintain their zoo human yeah, population. Yeah, to me that doesn't sound like a sense. lot of Zoomans, like as they call them. Zoomans, <laughs> they gotta keep take care of their Zoomans, yeah, as they if, call if, us. If that means I can stop actually working and just like you ever see those yeah. fat gorillas in the zoo who just sit there like, <laughs> if I could just do that, oh that's, my god, I'm in. I could stare at those like, motherfuckers like, for hours. I love that the shit. Offer. That's the offer they give you. You're gone from everybody you know on Earth, but you get the fat zoo gorilla I'd lifestyle. I'd be fine. I wouldn't. There's too much I want to do. (laughs) No, I'd be all right. I get to go to space. There's. I'd be the only. I'd be so fine with that. I'd be like my parents would understand, and everyone else, f (laughs) them. They'll find someone to replace me on the podcast. It don't matter. (laughs) 
Irreplaceable. That's the finale, dude. You get abducted. Jesse, out of all three of us, is the one abducted by aliens. I would, one, I'd be I pissed. Would actually phone call you, not a text. I'd be like, <laughs> guys, I'm going up in a spaceship. And they'd be like, this is Zipzorp. Get I'd be like, I'd be like okay, <laughs> Jesse, you're the most skeptic of us all. Goodbye. Yeah. God and then I just damn. never, you'd be like, God. I don't know what happened to him. Yeah. Our podcast oh. like stops being like a weekly variety, like paranormal show and becomes like a murder podcast for just Jesse. about Jesse. Yeah. 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 The, the, the 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 I've been like, I'm on a spaceship. And then we have like, we have like <laughs> experts. Like it sounds like Zlipslorp is actually a real alien. We can tell like his voice was not made by human vocal cords. It came <laughs> yeah, through yeah, the then phone. We have a, then we have to have somebody like uh, a different YouTuber come and show that it can be faked by like, Deep faking voices and it, it could yeah. be fake. That would be but, the greatest yeah. irony of all is if Jesse's uh, disappearance was ruled uh, fake because it was like a hoax from skeptics. Yo, <laughs> speaking of that, can I just say if you want to have a weird watch that's super fun on Netflix is a documentary called Trust No One. And it's about a the largest cryptocurrency theft in Canada, which is why I originally watched it because I was like, I got to know what Canadian cryptocurrency theft is like. All I'll say is it's about this dude who makes like an exchange and then he goes to India and dies and everyone's like, okay, well, can we get our money out at least? And his wife is oh, like, I don't yeah, have the codes. I, know about this I, don't know how to, yeah. I don't know how to access it. And everyone's like, did that dude just steal our money? Is he alive? And that's the premise. I will say it is 90% an excellent documentary. And then like all documentaries, the last 10% is like, oh, yeah. like, you know, there's never a satisfying ending in documentaries ever ever and so yeah, that's fair there's been like a couple and each one is like ledged like remember the jinx when yeah. they like like it actually was satisfying and you're just like yes oh my god yeah it's like yeah. one in a million one in a million but there is a group in this documentary and one of the guys wears a wolf mask and he's like i've uncovered this i know where he lives i know that he is alive and i've uncovered it's incredible he's like do they like do they warp his voice oh his voice is warped he's in a wolf mask that looks like one of those like he's like from a cyberpunk game it looks like (laughs) dude it's crazy looking and he has a rabbit mask in the background which makes it even better dude that reminds me of a the death loop wolf mask party dude i'm telling you it's so crazy and then there's like a dude who lives in la who kind of is like a wacky guy there's so many characters in this thing and they're all just like yeah we just got into crypto this one dude was like i'm gonna put four i need to move to canada so i'm gonna put four hundred thousand dollars in crypto then pull it out in canadian dollars when i move to canada and he put it in tried to take out five seconds later and it didn't come out that's how he knew he was getting scammed he was oh, like, oh my god it's crazy that's what happens when you have an unregulated camera, market no i mean like that's his story it's like oh, they yeah. recreate it and it's you know whatever oh but my like, god yeah. i don't know the when it was happening know the details of, of the story but i think a couple weeks ago somebody lost 600 million dollars that was in a video game out. yeah and a, oh, a video game okay and uh yeah i don't want to like i don't want to say that's we insane. all know who that person actually was that lost the money yeah but they may or may not have used to work at YouTube, so. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I'm seeing that. Uh, yeah. All right. Jesse, you actually are taking this next one as well. What is this? A dream and a sequel. A dream and a sequel. Oh, boy. That's what. The, yeah. By Inception 2. Herzl. Hello, this is a dream I had several years ago, but now I still remember the details of it fairly vividly which is very rare for me. The reason why this dream feels special enough to tell is mainly the fact that I remember it. So, you know, that's good enough for me. (laughs) Normally, I remember that I've had dreams maybe twice per year, but I never remember any details from them. With this one, I could recall it when I woke up and I have not forgotten it since then. I originally dreamt this when I was around 25, I believe, which would be six years ago now. Damn, I can't remember a dream that I had two months ago. Really? I have a, like a couple dreams that have stuck with There's me. There's like five I've dreams I've ever remembered. I would say, ever yeah, in my I, life. Would, I would agree with that. I would say I have about five, but like, yeah, none of them are this detailed. One time I, I <laughs> shot my friends with a harpoon gun underwater. That was a dream I had. Hell yeah. That mine was, like, was, you know, <laughs> mine was, I was, I was drowning a baby as what when I was babysitting them. What is happening to you? 
I'm dead. I'm dead fucking serious. I was a teenager and I remember I was drowning a baby, but then I like realized I was dreaming. I was trying to wake myself up. I can't. That's why here I, like, I am like, it. I killed my friends in a dream and you're like, so there I was <laughs> drowning a baby. Like, you can't keep doing this. I'm trying to give you outs. And you're like, so there I was killing children. Like, what? <laughs> I just have like my teeth fell out once. I, yeah, I was oh, yeah, falling a one time. I had a mall dream, which is why I know about the mall dream stuff. There's a, a girl that I liked in a mall and she was in a mall and I tried to grab her and I couldn't ever see her face. I always have hotel. Oh God, that's I, horrifying. Yeah. That's like Oof. inception or uh, no inter- eternal sunshine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. I always have hotel dreams. That's the ones that I remember. They're always in like a Ooh, weird a hotel that I have the sense that it's on fire, but I don't know for sure that there's fire anywhere. Ooh. When I think about it. Mm. Had one yeah, dream where scary. I got stabbed in the gut and woke up with a stomach ache. That was pretty memorable. Oh, yikes. Yeah. That's weird. I was like, oh, Ugh. man. The dreams where you just get shot point blank and you just like I've never wake been up shot as, point blank in a dream. Never. Oh, my dad shot me in my dream. Whoa. That was what I remember. Well, that's because he saw he, you he killing could, that baby, he could also, you psychopath. He could, also, he could also fly and he was like trying to find me flying around like Superman with a pistol. <laughs> he had like the, the <laughs> message <found> from <laughs> Superman with a gun Superman is like pistol. the most fucked up thing I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> You're like minding your own business in like fucking China somewhere and some dude in, in Metropolis has an idea and one second later he's like dodge this. <laughs> I can't. The, the That's basically what the, the Matrix becomes. It's so <laughs> The idea that he traveled fast than the speed of light, just pull out a pistol, is one of the funniest things I've ever thought about. Superman with a gun. <laughs> but he can like pull the trigger so fast it would be like a machine gun. That's how guns work. That's how guns. That would jam. That gun would be so broken. That would go to slack. He's fixing the gun at right, super well, speed. That tells as you how much I know about actual guns. Then the NRA oh, presents oh, this stream right. in association with DC Comics. <laughs> Superman with a gun. Lex Luthor is fucked. <laughs> I feel like that was definitely after the death of Superman when they had like 18 Superman comics and they were all different. There was yeah. definitely one that was Superman with a gun. I felt the earth we're holding trying a it gun. Yeah. I was the I was the last son of Crypt Gun. <laughs> Crypto Gun. Oh my, my parents God. were venture capitalists who transitioned into the crypto <laughs> lifestyle in 2021. <laughs> Mathis is broke. I you shot my first him. bank robber in the head at age 10. I can't stop. You just gotta stop. You gotta stop. I just, I just thought it was funny. My dad could fly and shot me with a pistol. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I hope somebody fucking draws that. That's so funny. Superman oh. with a gun. Uh, what a great image. All right. He can um. shoot people in a single shot. <laughs> Truth, justice, in the American way. He can shoot <laughs> tall buildings with a single gun. <laughs> yeah. He, he keeps rescuing his gun like he rescues Lois. That like shooter down of ground. a speeding bullet. <laughs> Now I'm just imagining him shoot the gun and then stand next to the person who gets shot like it's coming for you. He holds him in place once he shoots it. That's so messed up. This <laughs> Superman with a nine millimeter pistol. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Here's the dream. It started with me standing on the edge of a soccer field. It was the town I had been born in and moved away from when I was five years old. I still knew that this was the same soccer field, and I knew it despite what my mind told me was a mountain on top of it. Okay. All right. The mountain was a gray cube, and without any question about it, I simply hovered up the side of the mountain. Hovered up the side to climb it. Yeah, great. 
When I reached the middle of the cube, a large section was cut out from it. In true dream fashion, I have very specific visual of how this looked. Imagine if you were to view this cube mountain from the side. If the mountain was put on a 3 by 3 grid, the middle block and the block to the right of it were gone. Or number okay. five and six, if you imagine your keyboard numpad as the 3 by 3 grid. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's a great comparison. <laughs> what actually made this odd, however was that the soccer field had been moved up from the ground below into the cutout area of the mountain. It even seemed to have gotten an upgrade since I last saw it. It had seating around the edges and those sports arena floodlights. It was empty, however, and looking onto it from the side of the mountain, I felt like something was missing. After that, I simply hovered up uh, further to the top of the cube mountain. I saw a simple playground, a few platforms to jump between, a net to climb up, uh, to climb on, and a small zipline for kids much smaller than myself. I even saw some trash strewn around, empty juice boxes and empty bags of candy for the most part. I then saw four small sleeping bags, and at the sight of them, I jolted awake with the realization I had dreamed this dream before when I was much younger. Whoa. I wonder if that is... Real or like, uh, like yeah, maybe deja that was like vu? a real moment, and you thought it was a dream because it's a memory. What's interesting about that is the idea of the mountain, right? Uh, well, arenas, any type of a sports arena, anything is always about struggle and conflict, right? Like that's that's like the general notion. Mm-hmm. And then a mountain is about obstacles and overcoming that stuff. But the idea of the playground and seeing the sleeping bags and seeing, uh, it's like a memory of childhood and youth and like you know. All the the good times that you had, maybe before the struggles and the obstacles. I don't know. It's interesting. Well, what uh, about, let's what continue. About, yeah. What I remembered from the chronologically first dream was that I was very young and at the same soccer field and at the same cube mountain. I floated up the side and came to the cutout portion where the soccer field uh, now was placed. A man was standing in the middle of the field. He was dressed in a cowboy coat and hat, which immediately placed him as my grandfather in my mind, as he was the only one who wore that kind of stuff in my life. Okay. His back was turned to me. He didn't move. Shortly after, I ascended the mountain. At the top, I met three friends. Ooh, the four sleeping bags! These are my dream friends who have no real counterpart. We played in the playground, ate some candy and drank from our juice boxes and eventually went to bed in our sleeping bags, at which time I have a memory of jolting awake being just five years old in my bedroom. That's where it ends for the dreams. That's fascinating. And then there's a little bit at the end and I'll save that for a hot minute. That's fascinating because it's like a follow-up to a dream, which I think is very rare, but also the follow-up could just be the memory of that dream incident, right? Like the idea that you have moved beyond the innocence of like hanging out with your friends and doing all that stuff. And the man in the cowboy outfit that you uh, places your grandfather, cowboys usually in dreams are like the macho dude. They're like a representative representation of masculinity. And so it's hmm. possible that that's how you saw your grandfather's like the tough guy. Um, and maybe that's why you also placed it there as like he was what you thought like a man was at that time. And so, um, yeah, maybe the reason why he's not in the second dream is because like you are now representing the grandfather role. Like if you have the dream again, look at yourself. Are you in the cowboy outfit? Are you a cowboy Whoa. now? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it shows the idea that the soccer field now is more, there's more to it. I think it's like the soccer field matured, right? Like more is happening to it. So this, the cube could be a representation of your life and the struggles and things you overcome and how you easily surmount the cube and like you get up <clears> over <throat> it. But like, you know, you're older now. I don't know. There's a lot to work with there, but I'm curious what this last paragraph is because I see the first four words and I'm all right, here we go. <laughs> I can't believe aliens would abduct me twice and implant the same bad dream into me twice. You'd really think they had better quality control than that. Either way, I don't think this dream means anything. I don't think any dreams mean anything. Well, that defeats the whole purpose of me. What I think happened is my brain dreamt up a short dream twice from the perspective of two different times in my life. At the time, I was deep in uh, the paint of Kingdom Hearts. And a classic way of telling stories is the series deliver a mysterious cutscene, and then five years later put the origin of that cutscene into the actual game. Ouch. <laughs> 
Maybe Tetsuya Nomura uh, abducted you. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, this is obviously fine to read in the podcast, even despite it being on the longer side. Cheers. The thing that's I, most interesting is the cube to me. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, that's such a cool visual. I too. think, honestly, I think the cube bit might <laughs> be the Kingdom Hearts bit. Like, if you're saying I was playing a lot of Kingdom Hearts, <laughs> the idea of that cube and the way that Kingdom Hearts is, is told, that may, like, sometimes we take things that we love and put it in our dreams because it's like on our mind. And so that could be like Alex. Many times when we do dream interpretations, Alex says like, yeah, no, this, this is probably actually more accurate because it's like, this is what you were doing that day, you know? And it's possible. It's very possible that most of this is just like, you really like kingdom hearts. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like the big cube. I mean, that's very video game. I don't know. It feels, yeah. it feels video game to me. Yeah. Especially yeah. because the cube is squared, you know, and it's a three by three. And so, you visually recognize that. And that seems like a battleground mm. mechanic, like a, you know, like a chess board that you would see in, in, you know, when kingdom hearts actually had like a oh, plot, um, that kind <laughs> yeah, of thing. No, it does not. <laughs> All right. How this next you, one Oscar is gonna, amazing. Oh God. Oh God. All right. This next story is the last story, Alex. It's a long boy and it's all yours. Yeah. I got you. First of all, shout outs to kingdom hearts fans. I, I, I talk, I, I bring shade, but I play Metal Gear Solid, so who am I to talk? Anyway. Also nonsense yeah, story. This You're next, right. uh, You're correct. This next one's called Potential. She needed the bathing suit to breathe through her skin, Alex. It blew my mind. <laughs> Trust me. It blew my mind. Uh, but that's not even, that's not even the mistake. Like, it's, it goes so. That, wanna, yeah, that's like tame. I can't go down this road right now. Uh, potential Skimwalker by Upset Player. Hello, I want to start this off by explaining the title. I'm using a nickname for the creature in this memory because I've heard that mentioning it by name in any fashion can summon it to you. Not Whoa. that I'm too worried about that because I live in the middle of a small, busy town, but still, better to be safe. Now for other notes, I have posted the story elsewhere, but I felt I should include it here too because I've just recently found the podcast and it sounds right up your alley. Also, this is okay to read on the podcast and I have no problem with you guys interpreting this as what you think it is because I have no idea and am new to the supernatural world. Welcome. Welcome. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to understand <laughs> what a small, busy town is. And I, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my mind around that. I, I guess it's just... I would imagine it's like... Like a lot like what going I'm thinking on? Is like, yeah, like maybe it's like in the Bustling. central of a very like like a uh, like a center part play where a lot of highways kind of crisscross through. Like there's a little town in Texas, Dayton, that's like it's a small town, but it's busy because it's a lot of like travel kind of goes through that okay. area. All right. There you go. Now to get into the real bit of this memory. The beginning of this takes place about five years ago when I worked security for a state park in Indiana. I'd worked for the park for about three years at this point and had never noticed anything strange like this before. I'd never even heard of anything like this at all in the nearby towns either, except for a few older men who just wanted to scare people. It was the beginning of fall and the campground was still open for a few more weeks. It was late into the afternoon and we weren't terribly busy in the park, it's park itself, but our inn was packed for a wedding reception that was happening the next day. Uh, I had worked nights the last week and was looking forward to the three days off uh, I had coming up. And this had been a relatively easy week, though, and I had been training a new security guard. I'll call him JJ. He was a nice young college student who was studying at the local university. He'd come to work at the park to help further his education. We just checked on the gatehouse closest to the campground when we got a call over our handheld radio. I responded and asked what was up. The inn's manager came back with a message about a young boy going missing from his group while they had taken a hike on the trails. His family had just returned to the inn without him and immediately noticed he wasn't there. <clears throat> Spooked, they reported it, and we were called up to go look for him. I said we'd be on our way to the inn to meet with the parents ASAP, and we left the gatehouse. It took roughly 15 minutes to get to the inn. I know time doesn't seem important, but it comes into play when we find out just how long this kid was missing. And the kid's parents were waiting for us. We did a routine round of questions. Where do you think he went missing? What trails did you take? How long were you gone, etc.? And found out what the boy had been wearing, that he was eight years old and where they thought he dipped off the trail. With the new information, we went back to the security building, a roughly five minute drive from the inn, to get our trail authorized, our trail authorized vehicle and some medical supplies in case the kid had been hurt. Took maybe 10 minutes to get ready. At this point in the afternoon, it was starting to get a little darker and we had maybe three hours to find the kid before we'd lose most of our visibility. We were also getting worried about temperature. During the day, it had been a nice 50-degree day, but with the sun going down, it was dropping fast. 
we didn't find the kid before we lost visibility completely because even with flashlights, it's hard to see in the woods after dark, especially the densely packed areas. We were sure he wouldn't make it through the night. We hurried out onto the trails, racing the sun, and pretty easily found the trail the family had taken earlier that day. We started at the top and slowly made our way through the whole thing, calling the kid's name the whole time and making sure to look as closely as possible for any clues. Around an hour and a half in, we finally found something. In the briars along the edge of the trail was a kid-sized jacket that had gotten stuck. Immediately, we jumped off the four-wheeler and looked for other signs. After a 10-minute search, we found a small set of boot prints leading away from the jacket and further into the woods. We went back to the four-wheeler and grabbed our flashlights and med supplies before following them. We walked a good 20 minutes into the brush calling for this kid the whole time and following his boot prints. This is when Jay stopped and asked me if we should split up a little to make our circle a little bigger since it was just the two of us looking. I agreed. We stabbed a small knife into a tree so we knew where we'd started from and he went left while I took right. Cue another 15 minutes of walking and yelling. The sun has gotten lower and I've had to pull out my flashlight just to be able to see through the growing shadows. I'm beginning to lose hope and we know we have only a good 45 minutes before we have to go back and at least call for reinforcements with better gear before coming back out. And who knew how long that was going to take? It could be too late by then. So I trudged on. I went maybe another five feet before I heard what sounded like a child crying not too far ahead of me. Thank God. Uh, I remember how my heart started beating rapidly. I called his name again, but he didn't reply, just continued crying. So I changed strategies. Insert kid's name. My name is insert my name. I'm here to help you. Are you hurt? This time I heard, yes, please help me. I walked faster towards the voice. Where are you? What's hurt? I'm here. Walking faster. What's hurting? I need to know so I can help you better. I'm here. I felt like he was just around a tree in front of me. The voice was so clear and sounded so scared. I opened my mouth to call out to him again, but was interrupted by my radio crackling to life. It was Jay. Hey, I found the kid. We're almost back to the four-wheeler. We're almost back to the four-wheeler. Where are you? My whole body froze, and I remember how cold everything around me suddenly felt. I know it must have only been seconds, but it felt like minutes that I stood there frozen. And I heard the most frightening thing I will probably ever hear in my life, and the reason this event sticks in my mind, even though it's been years since it happened. From right behind, it sounded like this kid was whispering into my ear. I'm 5'6". I can tell you an 8-year-old that is that tall. I can't tell you an 8-year-old that's that tall. Aren't you going to help me? Every nerve in my body was suddenly telling me to bolt, and I cannot tell you how quickly I ran out of that area. I didn't look back. I just ran. I wasn't even sure I was running in the right direction until I'd found the tree we dug the knife into. When I got to that point, I grabbed my radio and called to Jay to start the engine and be ready to drive. I never slowed down, and as soon as I burst through the trees and bushes, I jumped into the passenger seat and yelled at Jay to hit the accelerator. He did, and we peeled off that trail. We didn't slow down until we reached the actual blacktop and were more or less forced to slow down. From there, uh, the rest of the trip was silent until we reached the inn. We dropped off the kid with his parents, received thanks for finding him, and went back to our building. I never remember the trip there or what we told his parents. I don't remember the rest of that work night or really driving home. I was just trying to think about what had just happened to me. Had I almost died? Uh, what, what the hell was out there? Why did it sound like a kid? What did it want? I didn't know and I wasn't sure I wanted to know. The following week was filled with nightmares and uneasy days at work. About a month of this, uh, though, after about a month of this, though, I quit and shortly after moved out of that city to a smaller one about one and a half hours away. I tried not to think about it much and eventually moved on and the nightmare stopped. Since then, I have gotten a loving boyfriend who I've moved in with and plan to spend the rest of my life with. There you go. A new wonderful job and had almost completely forgotten about that event. But a few weeks ago, Jay decided to throw a party and invited me and my SO to it. I hadn't seen him or our friends for a while, and he decided and decided why the hell not. After a few too many drinks and some jokes, our job as security for the park was brought up since Jay is now working for the local PD. We laughed and joked about a few things that happened that night when Jay brought up that uh, that happened when Jay brought up that night. He asked me what I'd seen out there because I'd never said anything to him about it and refused to answer his questions about it. I said I wasn't sure; must have been some weird mangled cougar or something, and shrugged it off, not really wanting the memories to come back. But then Jay said something that brought them all back in vivid detail. Yeah, must have. I remember it came out after you. It was pretty deformed and gross looking for a cougar, though. Might have had mange. 
Thank you for reading this if you got this far. I'm a big fan of the podcast and I've already binge listened to most of it. Can't wait for Alex's JFK series and more histories, mysteries from Jesse. I also have several reoccurring nightmares not associated with this. If Jesse or anyone else would like to interpret them. There you go. That's like, uh, yeah, go ahead, Jesse. I no, got chills. I, here's the thing. I got that chills at the end. That was like a like spooky campfire story. Right? That was great. Yeah, that's how it comes I, off. I yeah. almost wanted to like, I'm going to Google this. Is this a story? Is this like a campfire story? But I don't want to <laughs> Google it because they don't want to ruin it for me. That was great. That was like actually very well read and told. That was fantastic. Solid. I love it. It was, it's like very uh, typical skinwalker encounter if those things are real. And I, yeah, that when I read that, I was like, Ugh, this is cool. It's like so. an SCP or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Well, thank you everybody for dropping all those stories. We couldn't get to all of the ones that I had uh, grabbed today, but I'm sure there'll be another episode a couple months in the future. Um, we are going to head off to patreon.com slash IlluminatiPod to record our mini-sode. And uh, don't forget, May 26th, if you can get to Austin, Texas, live near Austin, Texas, or at Austin, Texas, we're doing a show. Uh, you can get your tickets now at IlluminatiPod.com. Get them. Uh, just click that website. We got a few VIP tickets available and a few uh, general admission tickets still Mexican available. I want some food. That's what I'm worried yeah, about. Yeah, it's going to be delicious. And then finally, head over to theeddy.com slash Illuminati. We've got a uh, Moff, Moffman plushie coming out. You can sign up for. We have a new poster that's going to be out very soon. And we have a new T-shirt that's going to be out so very soon. So thank you guys for the support again. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Peace. Bye. Anyway. Me and my wife were sitting outside indulging on our porch one night, enjoying ourselves. I needed to go to the bathroom, so I stepped back inside, and after a few moments, I hear my wife go, Holy shit, get out here! So I quickly dash back outside, and she's looking up at the sky in awe. I look up too, and there's a perfect line of dozen lights traveling across the sky.